Hi everyone, this is Ankit. This is Meera. Welcome again to Leaving Footprints, where we'll be talking to individuals from different backgrounds to find out more about them and their journeys. So today, our guest is someone very special to me. It's my older sister, Radha. She's a biomedical engineer who got her bachelor's at UC Davis and her master's at UC Riverside. She has years of experience in uh, research. She was worked for a startup, and now she's working for a top diagnostics company. So let's get right to it. Um, so first of all, thank you so much for joining us. We're super psyched to have you. Um, let's just start with a little bit about your job at Roche and what you're working on right now. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm really excited about this. Um, so I work for Roche Molecular Diagnostics. Uh, I'm a systems engineer. Um, systems engineering is an interdis interdisciplinary field of engineering mm -hmm. in which we focus on designing, integrating, and managing complex systems over their life cycles. Um, so currently my team is working on developing a medical instrument that performs digital PCR. Uh, PCR is polymerase chain reaction. So that's Basically amplifying DNA using oligos and primers. And so mm -hmm. the application for that is anything that has to do with DNA. So in current events, you know, COVID, um, that's a virus. So you can, using this platform, theoretically, you can not only like um, see if there's COVID present in a sample, but through this platform, also quantify how much COVID is in a given sample, which has been important, um, you know, studying the viral load uh, and then seeing how that affects the patient. So yeah, that's what I do. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, also to preface, in case we do have technical issues, it's probably because uh, like some of our, like all of our Wi-Fi's are kind of unstable at times. So due to, like, because a huge amount of people are using it everywhere. So please uh, forgive us for that if any issues. Um, so I think my next question would be, what was something which inspired you to become an engineer? Oh, that's a good question. Um, actually, when I was in high school, I really didn't want to become an engineer. I don't know why, but I had this like aversion to like becoming an engineer. Okay. Um, so I went to college as a pre-med student. Uh, I wanted to oh, become okay. a doctor. Um, and so, and I was, my major was physics because I really liked physics. So my plan was to become a biophysics major, do my pre-med classes and become a doctor. Um, and then while I was taking all these general classes like calculus, chemistry, biology, physics, I realized I really liked all of it. And, oh, okay. and all, <laughs> all of that, that. With, with the interest in the medical field, I realized biomedical engineering kind of perfectly fits all of that. So I ended up right. majoring in biomedical engineering. Uh, do you have any like uh, driving factors in terms of uh, from your like from your inspirations around you, like such as your family, your friends, or your professors? Anyone who was like a driving force for you, kind of encouraging you to go in the field? Uh, not really. Um, as a first generation and female person from a very con like conservative family, I don't really feel like I had someone who was encouraging me to kind of pursue these things. Uh, I was very self-driven. Um, I mean, I, I've had really good teachers K to 12, like, and I still like talk to some of them because when I was this like lost student who was really smart, but didn't know what to do with it, they encouraged me. So I, you know, kept going. And then I, I became my own driving force through college. It was really hard, but I just, 
I knew that I had potential and I kept going. I think that's really good to hear. Even knowing Meera, I think I can see kind of the similar factor between both of you. You both are extremely self-driven. And even like when starting with Meera and like working on projects, we both kind of like, I can see her taking initiative to get things done. And I think she said in the, like in our previous episode that her sisters have been a huge guiding force for her and this can definitely be noticed. Yeah, I was just going to say like, definitely seeing you do everything. I'm just like, oh, okay, well I can do similarly. So it's definitely helped me as well. But that kind of leads us into our like next question is just about like, we have like a younger audience listening, people who are in college and trying to find their ways. And you've given me a lot of advice. So we're wondering if you could share something like that you wish you knew when you were in undergrad or even grad school about like finding your path. So I have like two different answers for this, okay? Okay. So with finding my path and then also knowing, you know, what did I want to know in undergrad? I have two different answers. Okay. So I think in terms of finding your path, I think it's very important to pursue what gives you light, like what feels good, like you should work towards that and not what other people are telling you to work towards. Mm. That's that's a really really, good quote. (laughs) And that's a really hard thing to do. Like even now that I'm done with school and working, so many of my friends are chasing like big companies. Like I want to work at Facebook. I want to work at LinkedIn. When in reality, just work where you feel happy, because at the end of the day, that is so hard to find. And that's what's important. Mm -hmm. Um, With that being said, I think for the younger audience um, to find out what makes you happy, you kind of have to immerse yourself in that environment. So I think taking classes isn't enough for that. And I know that from experience now, but um, you should try to find opportunities like an internship. Can you shadow someone in the field? And once you get to that place, you'll see what else is out there. Like at your internship, not only will you find out what a biomedical engineer does, but you'll find out what quality does, what all these other departments do. And then you can kind of figure out, okay, I think I fit better here. Let me see how I can get to that position. So that's one of the things I wish I knew as an undergrad. And I tell Mita this all the time too, like you're going to find out once you get to the company, what else is available and what, where you fit in. Um, And then the other thing I wish I knew, so when I was an undergrad, my, uh, and grad school, and my first two jobs, my mental health was a wreck. (laughs) So one of the things I knew as an undergrad, something I now really believe, like you reap what you sow, like if you're working hard towards something, and you're putting the steps to get there, it's going to work out, like that's just how it works, like every action has a reaction, like if you're working hard, things are going to fall into place. And I wish I knew that instead of constantly questioning myself, like, am I doing the right things? Am I going to make it? Like, you know, am I going to be okay? I wish I just had the confidence that like, okay, I'm working hard. It's going to work out. Things are going to be okay. I would have been a much happier person. (laughs) And I think that's really important. Like taking care of your mental health is very important. Right. Like trusting the process. Definitely. 100% agreed. Yeah. In my eyes, you've made it every time. So... (laughs) Don't stop. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I mean, we, we kind of spoke about this earlier, but I mean, are there any particular tips for specifically for people going into the BME field, which you want to give? Because there are a lot of, uh, uh, I have a lot of friends who are biomedical engineers or aspiring biomedical engineers like yourself. So do you have any tips specifically for them, like what they should focus on? 
Um, so the thing with biomedical engineering is it's very interdisciplinary and there's a lot of uh, different fields you can go into. Um, so from my personal experience, I kind of wish I did more research on that, like all the different fields of biomedical engineering that you can go into. Um, because I started off as a tissue engineer and then I went into drug discovery and now I work in diagnostics. <laughs> Okay. But if I had spent a little bit more time, like really figuring out, okay, I think I'm more interested in medical instrument development, then I wouldn't have had to go through so many different experiences, although they were all valuable to me. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I, I think I wish I knew that when I was younger is that, hey, there's a lot of stuff you can do here. Try to figure it out early. <laughs> so you can build yourself in that direction. Yeah, that's really interesting and useful because we have similar experience with like data science. There's so many yeah. different things you can do. So that's really important. <laughs> yeah. And I think one of the things that Mita is doing right now, you know, by working in these projects outside of school is you're kind of seeing what you can do with it. Right. So then yeah. that'll give you a better yeah. idea of what you want to do after school. Yeah. yeah, definitely getting some like real life experience helps. Um, so the next question is a very important question. Um, so what are your thoughts about diversity in your industry? Like, what are, I know, I know you faced many challenges having to do with this. So can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Um, so one of the things I really like working at Roche, what I like working about at Roche is that it's very diverse. Mm -hmm. um, and, but that hasn't always been the case for me, but I just wanted to preface <laughs> that you can find a place where you fit in. Mm -hmm. um, but I think being a woman of color in STEM is difficult and has its own sort of hurdles you have to jump over. Um, and I think it is still a white dominated field. Like we are definitely, white male dominated field. Um, we are definitely getting more diverse, but you know, when I started college 10 years ago, <laughs> it was less so, you know, like I, in my classes, it was mostly males. It was mostly white males. And you kind of feel like you don't fit in, you know? And there's a lot of microaggressions that I heard as an undergrad, um, like, oh my God, I took this machine shop class and my friend Shireen, she's my best friend, we're still friends. <laughs> we were like kind of working together on, um, you kind of learn all these instruments in machine shop, how to lathe and stuff like that. And you have to make this pencil holder. And okay. she and I are like very uh, good engineers. So <laughs> we were picking things up really fast. And there was this guy and I'd heard him say things like previously in classes and stuff, but he just could not like come to terms with the fact that there are women in this machine shop. And then she and I like finished first. We got A pluses. He like stood there staring at our pencil holders and just oh like, oh my God, I'm like, dude, why don't you go work on yours? Like maybe <laughs> you can make it too. Um, but he would make comments like, uh, I had him in a biophysics class and he would be like, or the professor once was like, there's not enough women in this class. And he'd be like, yeah, cause it's physics. Oh my God. A lot of, a lot of stuff like that. You know, um, my, in, when I went to grad school, um, my advisor was, she, she preferred men and she even paid men and women differently, which I found out later. So that was an issue. And then I think the most, uh, like, the experience that stand out, stands out to me most is my second job. I worked at a startup company and um, we got this new director. I think, I don't know, I had been there for like five months, five, six months. 
and I was picking things up really fast. I have a lot of experience. So it's like, it was easy for me to pick things up. And then this director comes in and he's clearly, he doesn't like that. And I was the only female engineer on the team. And so in meetings and stuff, when he would ask questions, I can see in his face that he doesn't like that I'm the one answering the questions. Mm -hmm. um, so then like microaggression started, like he would say, oh, you know, we really need some manpower and like stuff oh, like God. that. Um, he started creating a hostile work environment for me. So he wouldn't invite me to meetings. He tried to have someone at my own level manage me. We'd go days where I didn't have any work to do. Um, he like had me doing technician tasks, which was very demeaning because um, out of like the other male engineers on the team, I was the most qualified, but he had me doing like the lowest work. And it, at that job too, like this um, male scientist once presented data that I had uh, accumulated as his own. Oh, God. oh, wow. Yeah. So I ended up talking to the CEO about all of this. And the CEO told me, you know, like these boys are young, they're learning, um, like it's not personal. So I, I quit. I didn't have another job lined up. I just, I quit. I didn't want to be there anymore. Um, so I mean, I have so many stories okay. like this, but that's kind of been my experience as a woman of color in the field. Um, and then I started at Roche and right off the bat, like my manager is a female, like we have so many women on the team. Like I never feel like, okay, I'm being treated differently at Roche. So I'm, I guess I'm glad, I'm really happy that I've ended up at a place where I feel um, like I belong there because that's something I, sh I have struggled with a lot. Wow. I think that's definitely something. It's really good that you took, decided to take yourself out of that hostile environment because a lot of times we kind of think that, okay, no, we can push through this. Yeah. But I think yeah. it takes a lot of courage to just say, okay, this is not okay right now and we need to get out of here. Um, do you have any advice for women or even first-gen students as yourself who are kind of trying to break into the field? Like, because it is it is not very easy for especially women in color to kind of venture into STEM and think that they can be successful because they're kind of a lot of societal pressures and mainly just like even internal pressure, which kind of comes that, okay, can we do this or can we not do this? So do you have any advice for that? Yeah, I mean, I definitely have struggled with that as well, like uh, societal pressures. And then after going through so many years of people telling you you don't belong, you kind of start to be believe that, right? Yeah. So I've developed imposter syndrome, which I'm working through. So these are all things that I think women of uh, women of color, especially, and women going into STEM will experience. But I mean, just keep going. Like you can do it, and especially now, like you can actually see women in the field mm -hmm. now, right? Like I'm there. That was one of my driving forces. Actually, was that I want to be in places where people like me aren't there, so that you know a younger woman can see that okay, she's there, so then I can do it too. Mm -hmm. So I think keep like that's just what I want to tell women is like keep going like you can do it mm -hmm. um I think the other important thing is to like find a mentor like mm -hmm. if you can have someone telling you that every step of the way or guiding you in where to go that's really helpful and again there's so many women in STEM now that it, it's pretty easy to find a mentor I think a lot of us want to help you mm -hmm. um and then I think just support your mental health like 
hello, like I'm dealing with imposter syndrome. It, it like gets the best of me sometimes, but I got to like take care of myself so that I can keep going. Mm-hmm. So definitely find some mental health support, but there's nothing that we can't do. Like, I don't know where these ideas are coming from, but that's not true. We can do anything. Agreed. Agreed, uh, yeah. Following up, like what can we all do to make this better for women of color, women going into STEM and et cetera, just diversity and acceptance. Yeah, I I do want to bring something up. I don't know uh, if this is relevant to the question, but something that I think companies and like universities need to do is provide support for minorities. Mm -hmm. So this came up when I was an undergrad. I like like, was accepted into this, uh, I guess, program (laughs) called and program for minority students who want to go to grad school but they don't have the support to do that um and that's when I realized first of all we did not accept a lot of people we didn't have that funding to have a lot of uh, students in the program but why don't we have more programs like that like we want to increase diversity at campuses so that it looks good in the statistics but then there isn't enough support for people to make it through Mm -hmm. like you know for example I was first gen it's hard. I haven't seen um, other women in my like family even make it through engineering, for example, right? So, um, you know, I think having more programs, having more support to support like minorities who you want to see succeed, that's really important too. So mm-hmm. it's all about support. Mm-hmm. I think, as you said earlier, it was extremely self-driven and I think that must have been something, a different experience altogether because you didn't have that that representation seen before. And I think that's really good that young women out there now will have that representation in you guys and many other women out there. Yes. Uh, so I think my next question would be, what do you think is the best part of being an engineer for you? <laughs> oh my God. Okay, so I really like engineering as a field. Um, I, I don't know, I'm a really clever person and I like to figure things out. So I think one of the, my favorite things about being an engineer is like seeing how something doesn't work or we need to figure out how to, I don't know, make something work. I like doing that. I like troubleshooting. I like figuring out clever ways to make things work. And uh, I would say that's that's my favorite part of being an engineer. And then seeing it like go through and then seeing a product, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. I think one of the analogies, which even our, uh, we had a previous guest, Brunda, and she told us about how engineering about making numbers into like kind of translating numbers for the, like the simple person who's not like that affiliated with engineering is there any analogies which you have for engineering which you would like to say oh that's interesting i mean engineering is like the application of science right so mm-hmm. i don't have an analogy but i think that's pretty cool like you learn something in theory and then you apply it and then you get a product out of it like that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> I was gonna say you said you called yourself clever and I was just like oh my god she's a genius like clever I don't know I'm genius yeah so <laughs> right. I think even like in my I've brought like the engineering mindset into my normal life like I'm really good at well I mean Mita knows but I'm really good at planning and organizing and um like I don't know just troubleshooting like if we're ever in an issue I'm just like here are all the things we can do and like let's figure out how to get through this yeah it's a good I mean, that's a good mindset to have because you can get, I mean, first, so my dad's an engineer, right? So I'll see that in my household as well. So I think having that, an individual like that in your household is just like kind of encourages you to do the same. 
and I think Meera is also kind of telling <laughs> herself. And I think both of us kind of really like to be organized and kind of keep on track on things. So that's definitely, I think, a good mindset to have. Yeah, I was just gonna say it's funny that you're explaining that because I literally do that too, and I know Ankit does that, and it makes sense now because also his dad's an engineer. So <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, so our next question has to do with the pandemic. Uh, so how are you navigating working during the pandemic? And like, do you have any tips on staying sane? Because I know you're an extrovert, so it's been a little frustrating there. Oh God, working through the pandemic has been such a challenge. Um, the first three months I was strictly working from home and that was difficult because at the time I was also living with my parents and also Mita and my sisters or my other sister. Um, and it was hard, like, yeah, A, you don't get to see people. I was really missing like my coffee breaks I would take with one of my colleagues and we would just kind of hash things out and talk. and. I was like, oh my God, I can't like go to her desk and ask if she wants to get coffee anymore. And little things like that, you kind of take for granted when you're mm -hmm. at work. Mm -hmm. um, so then it became just like eight hours of working like um, on the computer, which is hard. Like you're sitting there for eight hours. I started going stir crazy. Like I need to do something else. Um, it was really hard. And I, I wasn't having enough of a separation between work and home. So you work at home, you know, so you can't like leave. So, right. you know, for me, something I picked, like learned was like, once you leave work, you leave work. Like that's all you can deal with it tomorrow. If you live at work, you can't do that. It's so hard. Yeah. So that was really difficult. Um, and I guess going into now I go into lab, like, you know, two or three times, maybe sometimes more a, a week. And so that's a little difficult. I do appreciate being able to go into lab and see people again. Um, but I guess the ways that I've kind of been coping with it. So early pandemic, like when I was living with Mita, we just did fun stuff like over the mm -hmm. weekend as much as we could. Like we did a lot of, I still am doing a lot of hiking because going outside helps me, um, you know, it's all about taking care of your mental health, you know? So. Okay. So, you know, I, I would go hiking, we would kind of just do random activities, we bake, uh, I picked up some new hobbies, I work out a lot, because <laughs> that really helps with all of this, and staying sane. So I think like taking care of yourself, learning how to take care of yourself, it's all what's important, and then making the time to do that, you know, please do that. Like, <laughs> do that. <laughs> I think one positive out of this pandemic is that we've all kind of become closer to our families and like some of our closest friends. We've become even closer because we kind of just are around the vicinity more or just kind of interacting with them more than we used to do during our daily lives and we're like extremely busy. But I think that's been like a welcome change for all of us. Yeah. Uh, I think my next question for you would be, so biomedics and like all of the, like the BME field had a huge boom due to the pandemic. How do you see the future of the field going once the pandemic is hopefully dying down soon? Yeah, that's really interesting because I also, I'm so grateful that I had picked this field because so many technologies came out during the pandemic. And, yeah. you know, it was, for me, it kind of came full circle because like I had been told by people in my family that like, you know, like, <laughs> you need to get married like this job isn't stable for you and I was like even in a pandemic I still had a job like <laughs> I think I picked the right field um but I think through this I mean 
I think this is the pandemic has been really good for my field because mm -hmm. it's it's really hit home that this is an important field. There's so much out there we don't know that we need to study. And there's so many technologies that still need to be developed, including like rapid testing. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, it's just very interesting. Uh, when I was a little bit younger, I would like go volunteer abroad. And even at that young age, I was like, yo, we need like devices that we can take, you know, send to India, for example, which is one of the places I volunteered. Um, and then even in more like rural places, like I went to Nicaragua and Honduras and they, they have even less technology, right? So I just, even at that age of biotech, I was thinking about how we need more portable devices that we can take places. And I think a lot of that has come out in this pandemic and I'm like excited to see where we go with it. That's actually really encouraging to hear because uh, one of my friends, she interned at Edwards and she was telling me like before the pandemic, like you can definitely see a very big difference in terms of investment in like the resources for the company as opposed to when it was before the pandemic and now hopefully after the pandemic. So that's really encouraging to hear that if we invest enough in it, it'll, it'll probably give us really good resources. Yeah. And like scientists are so amazing. Like we came up with this vaccine in like what, 10 yeah. months. That's amazing. Like, and one of the driving factors for that is how much money was pumped into it. So exactly. totally. Yeah. With more funding, I think we're going to see a lot more cool stuff come out. Yeah. yeah. I was just going to say, I definitely think the pandemic kind of brought up and like made people more aware of how important it is to have these people like just, you know, making the vaccine, making all these devices and hopefully moving forward, they'll be funded better. So yeah. Fingers crossed. So did you have any hesitations going into the field of engineering as a first gen student because you didn't have a lot of like representation before? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, first as a first gen, like college student from my family, I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> so that like doesn't help like going into college and then um, like I said, like going into classes where no one really looks like you and then um, trying to follow their paths, but then learning that everyone has a different path, especially with the privileges you've come here with, right? Mm -hmm. um, it was terrifying. Like I, I feel like I had a lot of hesitation, like, you know, maybe I should pick something that's like, more traditional or pick something that's more um i guess well established because especially when i was in school um even at uc davis like biomedical engineering had just become accredited so it, it wasn't very established it's still kind of like a rocky field because like i said there's so many things you can do and um there's a lot of like hesitation that comes with that like am right. i doing the right thing should i go into something that's more established, something more traditional, uh, somewhere where people look like me, like, you know, pre-med. <laughs> so yeah, definitely a lot of hesitation. <laughs> I think definitely talking to you uh, kind of like brings up thoughts about like how lucky I am to be in a field where I can see people who are like similar to me or like look like me. Uh, I definitely didn't think about it when I was actually in undergrad or even in grad right now. So it's definitely, I think listening to your experiences kind of just like shines a light more on that now, I'd say. Yeah, I was, I was just going to say like, it, it is amazing that you went through all that because now there's younger women who could look up to you 
and like me and additionally like just going off what one kid said like our program is majority like women so it even for me I'm just like okay you know like I finally see people who are like me and doing things like me so it's, it's very inspirational it's kind of interesting because we're Mita and I are four years apart but I feel like we've had different experiences mm-hmm. with even who you're going to school with um and then in my grad program I was like one of four girls Oh, it was, wow. Okay. <laughs> it was really difficult to navigate to. Um, and there was a lot of guys. So I'm glad that, you know, at least there's some change now. Like, you know, there's, it's more diverse and yeah. Yeah. I think uh, for our program too, they made sure to have just as many women as men. And I just hope that moving forward, it's like that for even engineering and just every field. Cause that's, what's fair. So yeah. Yeah. So even in an ambassador program, actually, so we have like this MSB ambassadors for the program and we have only, so we have 12 ambassadors out of which uh, nine are women and only three are men. So, I mean, that's a really good welcome change, especially in the program. Mm-hmm. We have, I think, 52% women and uh, yeah. the rest are men. So that's good. Wow. Too. That's awesome. Definitely representing. <laughs> yeah. So you spoke about your uh, volunteering experience in Nicaragua and like Honduras and stuff. So can you talk more about those? Yeah, sure. Um, So my first volunteering experience, um, I went to India and it was just like a low key thing. Like um, there's this hospital near the village my parents or my grandparents live in. Um, So I would go there to just shadow and like learn because I guess I'm kind of a nerd. Like, uh, (laughs) what do you want to do for winter break? I want to go see what they do at this hospital. You are Um, a nerd. (laughs) I guess (laughs) (laughs) and I really enjoyed that like we got to rotate with like the med students and it was interesting like um just seeing how because at the same time I was also interning at UC Davis Medical Center well not at the same time but right after that I did that so it was kind of interesting to compare uh the two settings like a hospital in India and a hospital in the U.S. um and seeing how things are so readily available in America, which isn't true for rural India. Um, So one of the things that stands, stood out to me most, like this still haunts me. And maybe it's actually one of the driving factors of my like personal drive. I don't know, (laughs) but uh, oh my God. So I, I, like one day I was shadowing in the ER, which was pretty exciting, like fast paced, like seeing um, who's coming in, what they're doing. And I don't want to get too gory, but there was this like woman who came in and she had 75% burns and third wow. degree burns. And I mean, I saw her laying there and I was like, oh my God, like what happened to her, you know? And your mind kind of goes to like, okay, there's a woman who's burned. Like, what do you think happened to her? And the guy was like, I don't know. Like she was just in the kitchen and her sari caught on fire. And I was like, like that doesn't sound right to me. Like someone, sorry, catches on fire and now she has 75% burns, like really? Um, so I was, I was just like, oh my God. But also the hospital turned her away because they were like later, I was like, why didn't you guys take her in? And they had told her like the surgeon isn't in today. Um, but they were like, dude, that's a waste of resources. Oh like she's God. gonna die. And I yeah. was like, oh my God. <laughs> and then flash forward to like, Uh, volunteering at UC Davis burn unit there was a guy with 80% burns and he was being treated with skin grafts Mm -hmm. I was like oh my god like this is so different and also uh that kind of piqued my interest in tissue engineering at the time um so that was one of my experiences 
And then, and then you can ask me questions about that if you want. But then uh, I joined Global Medical Brigades at UC Davis. Um, so that's a, or a club actually where students set up these trips to go volunteer abroad. And uh, we went to, I went to, no, I went to Honduras first. And we set up clinics basically to like give people basic things like even vitamins and just, I don't know, cold medicine. We took all the medicine with us. And then there were some people who needed more attention. So we had doctors there too, and they would kind of treat them. Um, and so in doing so, I got to like take blood pressure of people, like set up a ph pharmacy and like put together prescriptions. And it was a really good experience. I think one of the, like, one of the things I really liked about it was also being there with all these mm. students who were so driven. Um, I'm still in touch with one girl and actually maybe more than one girl, but this particular girl, like now she's in med school and she just finished up and I get to hear about all the things she's doing. And I'm like, dude, I met you in Honduras when we were kids, like, and setting up a clinic together, like how special. So I ended up really liking that trip. So then I went to Nicaragua as well, where we did a similar thing. And, you know, just a bunch of students coming together, trying to take care of a community. I think, uh, any more questions for uh, I mean, I've heard a lot like about all this, uh, but I don't know. Um, it seems like a really fulfilling experience is what I want to say. Like, I wish I had done something like that too. You, I mean, you could still do that. Like, are, are there any plans for the future for you of going back somewhere and doing something similar or working with colleges and going on trips with them like this? Oh my gosh. So, I mean, I like, I'm very vocal about this, but I'm in therapy mm -hmm. and that's something my therapist and I talk about all the time is like, I should do more volunteering because that was one of the things that brought me light. Like right. I really like volunteering. I like mentoring. Um, so it is something I, I would like to look into. I was actually going to start looking into it in, uh, let's see, March, 2020. <laughs> and then a pandemic and then happened. happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, I, I, I want to look into that more and see if I can do another trip or I don't know, even... Uh, I'd like to work with youth. And so I'm trying yeah. to figure out how I can do that. Um, but yeah, I love that kind of work. Um, I mean, also a side note, like I like it so much that I talk to my parents about it. Like they like to donate money to like temples because they're Hindu and stuff. So I remember like, I don't know, five, six years ago, I had told my mom, like, why don't you donate to something more meaningful? Um, and so they started like donating money to like uh, the school in India, which is like handicapped girls go to that school. Okay. Um, so and then she and the person she does this with, they always tell me like, oh, you know, you inspired this. Um, so even if I could do something like that, I don't know. I think there's a lot of stuff that's going to come in the next mm -hmm. few years. Yeah. Have excited. you ever gone back to that hospital in India? That was my last trip to India. I haven't had okay. the opportunity to go back, but if I do, I am interested in going back and seeing like how they're, um, how they've developed. Um, actually, my grandparents got COVID and they okay. were hospitalized at that hospital. So it's, I'm like, okay, so it must be developed well enough now where you can take care of people. So I'm interested to see, yeah. Yeah, that's actually, that's hopefully it'll be more developed than what we, than what you had seen there at the time. Yeah. So you said you want to, uh, I think you want to, you are, you're interested in mentorship and you want to encourage more people to kind of reach out to you. 
So what are some platforms where people can actually reach out to you and speak to you about things? Um, so you can catch me on LinkedIn. I'm very active. Um, I do get like a message from people like, and you know, what's very meaningful to me is like uh, this undergrad I worked with um, when I was in grad school, he reached out to me recently to ask me for some help with applying the jobs and stuff. And I was like, that's so cute. <laughs> um, but definitely I'm very like active on LinkedIn. Um, yeah. And then something else I kind of do is like talk to um, students from my former high school teachers. So on Friday, yeah. actually, I, I have to do a presentation for a class uh, about my career path. So this was a good way to prepare for that, too. <laughs> That's a good to hear. <laughs> cool. Yeah, we'll probably just link your LinkedIn onto the poster. And then, yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. But yeah, it was, it was extremely nice talking to you. And I think you just kind of sh sh uh, shined a light on a lot of things, which often we kind of take for granted, especially, I think, uh, the one you said about like seeing people like you in the classes, that was something I think for me, especially, I felt that really uh, like very privileged to have that for myself. And I think it's, it's good that it's been improved since you were in college and since then I graduated. Yeah, um, I'm just very proud of you. You know that. And thank oh, you so thank much. You. Yeah, like, thank you for sharing all your experiences with us. I think it's very valuable to hear this. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Again, thank you yeah, so much. For, uh, I, I just wanted to Oh, I was going to say, I just want to share something too. Um, you know, like I was talking about how I have imposter syndrome. Um, I just remember like, as I was like, you know, thinking about this podcast and what I want to talk about, um, that I just remember this one day, like Mita, she told me, she's like, Hey, you're an engineer. That's pretty cool. And I was like, Oh yeah, I guess I am. And then she goes, who else can say that in our family? That's very cool. And then I was like, yeah, thanks. <laughs> it's the simplest thing sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Actually, that's so sweet. <laughs> I try. <laughs> no, but it is. It's really cool. Again, like you're the first engineer in the family. Like that's really cool. <laughs> Thank you. 100%. I just want to be cool. <laughs> you're doing it. So. <laughs> But again, thank you so much for sharing us, sharing all your experience with us. Again, her description uh, for LinkedIn and other places where you reach out to her, you can uh, find it on our description. But yeah, this has been a great podcast and thank you guys for listening. Yeah, thank you. Bye.